0: Amen, amen, mercy, mercy, amen. mercy, amen. mercy. Amen. shall we bow. Father God, thank you for your, your goodness, your grace, your mercy, yes. uh, all that you have given to us and blessed us with. Uh, we come before you at this time asking a special word on behalf of your word, uh, that your word be proclaimed and your word be uttered in a way that is pleasing and acceptable unto thy sight and exactly what the Holy Spirit has ordered for your people uh, on this day. Father, again, forgive us of our repentant sins and help us to continually bring our gift before you, Father. Bring our worship and our our praise and our uh, daily living sacrifice before you. Be with us throughout the remainder of this service and the remainder of this word. Cultivate each and every one of our hearts, Father, so that we can receive your word. We ask this in the great name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Always it is a pleasure to be in the house, God, uh, to spend this this day of praise, this day of uh, worship uh, with each and every one of you as we offer up a collective Praise and a collective worship uh, to the great, to the great God of, of heaven. We appreciate everything that has uh, happened thus far uh, in service. Appreciate those wonderful uh, songs of Zion, that encouraging word, the reading of Scripture, uh, communion, collection, and everything that has taken place uh, this day. I want to give a shout out to Young Shiloh upstairs, holding down the audio and video. On a, on a solo level, so uh, I was his backup today. He didn't really need much from me, but I uh, just want to say, I'll, Shiloh, I'll put something extra under the tree. Um, you might get a little something extra uh, under there, but no, I appreciate that uh, so so very much, just to hold, hold that down. We know that brother Mark uh, Jackson is away. Merry Christmas. Brother Mark Jackson is out of town. Thank you, E. Bridget. Appreciate that so much um, as well. Uh, We know others are out of town. I think I heard it already acknowledged that the Alberts are uh, not just out of town, but they are out of the uh, country on a different continent, uh, if you will. So let us make sure we keep them uh, in our prayers, I know there are others that are out. There are some who are, are perhaps ill at this time. We know this is a time when people also get sick, uh, unfortunately. So let us be in prayer for all of those that are um, out ill at this particular time. Just also giving a shout out to uh, everyone that was, was part of the uh, community gift giveaway uh, on yesterday, led up by Sister Tanya Sahili, also working with her, Sade. Naja Shiloh Zion, uh, Sister Tamiko Martin, Jonathan Martin, our brother Her donated some some awesome gifts, uh, as well. Appreciate also his work, as, as well as Sister uh, Jacob's, as they were preparing gift bags down here. Uh, also Maya dropped off some gifts, so we had a, a great time. Uh, as people just came came on up, no strings attached, you want a gift, you get you get a gift, so that was a great time just to be able to connect uh, with the community. Also, thanks to everyone that, that, com- that contributed uh, financially to that, to that great, great event. Also, um, there should still be some more gifts in the back, so if there are children here, and I don't know, some of you, you know, this season comes around your, your children at heart, right? It's like, you might want some toys too. But let's let's make sure that that if there are children here, want to make sure the twins uh, get hooked up in the back. We do still have some more toys uh, back there, so make sure uh, you you take care of yourself. In oh, cookies and hot chocolate. The hot chocolate was also a big hit yesterday. Sister, Sister Martin had that hot chocolate on hit. It's a big hit. You know, we go across the street. You know, to some some of the young homies. You know, they real cool. All oh, that. They... They ain't too cool to get some hot chocolate. <laughs> oh, we, we don't need we don't need toys. We don't need, we got hot, oh you got hot chocolate? Okay, we coming on over. <laughs> Amen. Pre- appreciate all all of that. Um, so so and, and I know there's a I saw like a, a a ping pong thing back there. So if if that's still here, whenever that's probably coming home with me. So so, um, but but I, I'll be patient. I'll be patient. If, if, it, if it ends up gone, it's gone. But if it's still there and it's lights t- turn, time to turn the lights out and it's still back there on the table, that's coming home. It's coming home <laughs> with me. I'm, I'm playing ping pong with somebody. Uh, so also after, after our message, we are going to, and I don't, I don't fully know the order, uh, but we want to honor our senior saints. Uh, we have an unsung hero award uh, to give away. We also want to take a congregational uh, photo, and then there are some wonderful gift bags uh, that have been prepared for each of you as well. So we want to uh, take care of all of those dynamics and festivities uh, as we prepare to uh, depart on this day whenever we get to that to that point. So I, kn- I know I, I have already prayed, uh, but please just continue to pray for me. Um, my, my heart is not fully settled on this, on this message. Uh, so just, just keep me in prayer. I'm, I'm on the Holy Spirit's, uh, time here and, and guidance. I mean, you know, if I'm, if I'm looking at Biblos, if I'm looking at Naman, you know, you kind of reach that point where you know that message is cemented in your heart. You good to go. Well, mine, I haven't reached the cemented place Yet, so there's still just a lot out there, and I think part of it has to do with this this message, or at least this passage, in a sense, is connected to Genesis three. But we haven't made it to that place yet in our Genesis sermon series, so I can't connect all of those all of those dots. So I feel a little bit disjointed, uh, but we're going to do uh, the the best that the best that we can. Again, appreciate, brother for the reading of our text. So let's just start with the reading of our text. Uh, Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. We'll start with verse 13 and conclude with verse 15. Matthew chapter 2. We know that this birth story of Jesus, we find it in Luke chapters 1 and 2 as well as Matthew 1 and 2. The stories are not identical. Each individual uh, had something in particular on their mind that they wanted to convey to their audience. So, of course, we can, can correlate and, and pull out the thematic emphasis from those two stories, but they are not identical. Identical. They each approach the birth of Christ uh, from a different angle, and both of them are extremely powerful. Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 13. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And he said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee or run, escape to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt, I called my son, out of Egypt, I called my son. Because we oftentimes need a topic to go with our sermonic discourse, we are using just for today, joy to the world. Joy to the world, anticipation of the Christ. Joy to the world, anticipation of the Christ. Now, I really only have one point for this sermon or this message today. And I will let you know when we get to that one point. But of course, there are several other points and things we have to say uh, as we make our way to that one particular point. But we, we are not lost on what this, what this season is what this time is that we are in right now, you may see signs that say season's greetings and happy holidays. And, and the more I really uh, look at what's happening around this time, if we step outside of it from a theological perspective, if, if we step outside of, of its religious connotations, if you will, this really becomes a season that's designed to be thankful because we're moving closer and closer to the end of the year. This is really like an end of year celebration festivities that, that you made it thus far and it starts to culminate on New Year's Eve and then you're thankful, God willing, for, for making it to see a new day. We, we know that we don't have any explicit information on the exact, day Jesus was born. We can, we can take some guesses as to what month it may have been, but we really don't have a lot of clarity around when Jesus Christ was born from, from an exact uh, or, or from a specific perspective. But, but when we just look at what's connected to this season, it's really about just being able to celebrate Not just the birth of Christ. We have that from a religious perspective, but the world isn't really tuned into this season from a religious perspective. Right. The world is really tuned into this season uh, uh, because of the end of year festivities. This this is a time oftentimes not not everyone, but this may be a time where you get some extra time off work. Whether you believe in Christmas, whether you believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah or not, a lot of people get the benefit of their company or their agency or their school district or their, or their university honoring some downtime and shutting things down and you end up with the day off. Now, props out to all of you that still have to work and serve people during this season. Some people are already planning to go see the color purple on tomorrow. Somebody's working. You're you're missing it. Somebody's going to give you your popcorn. Somebody's going to go and and get your licorice. Somebody's going to fill up that cup with with ice and a nice cold splash of Coca-Cola. So while you are in festivity mode, trying to close out the year, some people are at work. So again, we say thank you. Right, We say thank you to all of you that, that, that are working because somebody, regardless of what it is that you're cooking on tomorrow, and perhaps you've already started today, perhaps you started on yesterday, but you may have forgotten something. Last time I checked, Safeway might still be open. So while, while, you, while you forgot that one special ingredient, you got to make a run to the store to pick that up. Somebody's working. So again, shout out to those that are working during this time. So we, 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 know, we know what time of season this is. It's also important to know that the story of Jesus and the birth of Jesus, it's not really about the time frame per se. We have the time frame and we, we have elected, however we've arrived at this place to celebrate this day uh, by way of what takes place on, quote unquote, December 25th. Christmas Day, but we know that this story is a story of nativity. It's a story of nativity, and, and, and that means this is a birth story, which means we are still in the process, and we are still in the frame of mind, and we are still in the circumference and the surrounding dynamics of this being a story still rooted in fertility. This goes back to Genesis 1, back to Genesis 2, definitely Genesis 3. This is still a story of fertility. And if we were to bring in John the Baptist's mom, what, what was so profound about her being connected to this story is that she was barren. So again, all of these festivities around, centered around the nativity story of Jesus, we are still talking about a story of fertility. But when we're having this story and this conversation about fertility, it basically ends because all of the conversation about fertility was pointing toward the ultimate birth of Christ. That was the real fertile soil that, that God was pointing to when he talks to us about being fruitful and multiplying. Well, he already had in his theological mind that one day his son would have to be born. That his son would have to be born. And that's why, that's why also when we're looking at Genesis 1 or Genesis 2, uh, Genesis 3, but Genesis 2 uh, specifically, where we see that Adam and Eve, they were created as adults. They were created as adults, as we said before. They, they, they were not created as children. They were not created as babies. And, and so therefore, even when they when they procreated, when their offspring was born, they weren't born uh, uh, to, 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 to babies. They were born to mama and daddy, that that was already in place. But Jesus Christ wasn't concerned about, the great God of heaven wasn't concerned about using his seed to bring forward the children. He let Adam and Eve have that process because he knew that one day he would use the Holy Spirit's seed to bring forward his son. His son being the son of God, being, being Jesus Christ, Yeshua, the Messiah, the anointed one of God, the anointed Messiah Of God. This is still a story of of nativity. It's still a story about the Holy Spirit and the seed that's connected within this story. If we were to look at Luke's version of this account, and there you have Mary, but then she is overcome by the Holy Spirit, this would be a commercial. But the question still remains, have you and I been overcome by the Holy Spirit? Have you and I been overcome? Because that's our nativity story. Yes, your your mother has a story about all that she went through to birth you, that that all she went through while, while, while she was carrying you, but the real nativity story about your life and my life is not when our mother birthed us. It's really about when the Holy Spirit overcame us and now we became born again individuals. We became individuals that are now sold out for Jesus Christ because we have been overcome by the seed of God. We have been overcome by the Holy spirit of God. And so now it is no longer my intellect that rules me. It is no longer your intellect that rules you. It's supposed to be the seed of God that lives within us. That the seed of God, because you have been born again, because you have been made over, because you are no longer who you used to be, and you too, like the son of God, have a story of nativity. We no longer walk the way we used to walk. We no longer talk the way that we used to talk, because now we have been overcome. By the seed of God, by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. So now this this Christmas story, (laughs) the story related to the birth of Christ, it it spans the spectrum. Now we, we, we live in a in a commercialized society. We, we, we live in a materialized society, but the birth of Christ by way of a story, and especially a story of nativity, it spans the spectrum. It is definitely a season and a joyful celebration that the Son of God is born. But it also ushers in a season of trial, a season of tribulation, and even a season, a season of viciousness. Now, because for for many people in the world, and sometimes even even in the church, it's such a commercialized story. We just want to focus on everything that's fluffy. Everything that's nice, everything that's soft, everything that's peaceful, everything that's accommodating, everything that is polite, everything that is welcoming, that is a piece of the nativity story, but the nativity story also ushers in some hate. It ushers in some anger. It ushers in some frustration, but the world in which we live doesn't like to be holistically honest. So that part of the story gets left out and it's just about season's greetings. It's just about having a good time and make sure you don't mess up my mood. But what if the world really understood the grandiose nature of the nativity story that is not just about joy to the world, but it's also about some drama. It's also about some trauma. It's also about a family that, that, that at, at, the, at, at one of the most sensitive times of their life that they couldn't even enjoy what it meant to, to, to raise baby Jesus. They, they couldn't even have the peace and the comfort to just be there as husband and wife with their child. They couldn't even have that because somebody was out to get them. But that part of the story never seems to come up, the fact that Jesus and his earthly mama and his earthly daddy, the fact that they were on the run, that part of the story never seems season's greetings. Most people only want to talk about a commercialized brand of Christmas, a version that highlights materialized and, and, and a formation of superficial joy. But they fail to embrace the traumatized, the traumatic element of this story. But, but we know we're very intimately connected with this notion of no pain, no gain. This, this is a universal mantra. And, and, and we use that. We, 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 we use that in, in, in so many different ways that, that, that it is now normalized to say something like no pain, no gain. In other words, you, you want something to be uh, successful. You want something to come out on the other side and have that be something that is successful or something that is, is appreciated or, or something that was well earned. Well, then you have no problem acknowledging that it took some pain to get that. But that pain somehow was worth it because look at what I earned on the other side. We seem to have that understanding in a great way everywhere except for the kingdom. When it comes to kingdom pain, somehow that's not part of the story. How, how are my feelings hurt in the church? How, how am I upset? in the church i'm supposed to be a christian we are supposed to be christians how is it that i could be down and depressed how is it that that person could treat me in such a way well i've never been treated like that you're lying you're lying yes you have You have. You just filled this one with a bit more acuity, but someone has spoken to you like that before. Someone has walked by you before. Someone has not shaken your hand before. Someone has not acknowledged you before. But in the church, we try to act like, well, I never. (laughs) So again, in, 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 in reality, we walk around with this no pain, no gain mantra and it's normalized. But as soon as pain enters the church. Now our whole schema of what church is and whether or not I'm going to remain connected to church is up for grabs. Because I had an uncomfortable experience. Because I had an uncomfortable encounter. Now I'm questioning My whole sense of of, of freedom, liberty, and salvation in the kingdom. But if we're talking about the nativity story, it's connected to joy as well as pain. So if the nativity story is connected to joy as well as pain, then who am I as a member in the body of Christ that when pain surfaces, I'm now questioning how long I'm going to stay. See, that, then that means that we then, or I then now, have a commercialized understanding. I have a materialized understanding of what the kingdom is about. And all I want to know is, all, all I want to be connected to is this, this joy to the world, this season's greetings perspective. But now, what happens when pain surfaces? What happens when trauma surfaces because our Lord and Savior had to deal with all of those dynamics and for him the pain and the trauma started when he was in the crib. Revelation 12 is letting us know that the devil was there waiting for Jesus to come out of the birth canal. So who am I to be concerned and to question God about my pain and my discomfort In the kingdom, when from the beginning of the birth of Jesus, he's dealing with pain. He's dealing with trauma. And that's what makes the sacrifice all the more sweeter in the end. Because of that pain, because of that trauma, this is why we are able to come and and convene with each other in fellowship and have a vibrant time of worship and praise. Because of all that the Messiah went through on our behalf. And it did not just start in his three years of ministry toward the end of his life. It started at birth. So as we said, as we said, and we're going to flesh this out a a bit more as we, God willing, make it into the new year. Uh, But let me let me just drop this while, while, while we're here yet again. Because it's, it's so pro- profound to me. And I, I, and I know for you, it's, it's already, you already had this understanding. But every now and then, we, we come into an understanding and things just become a bit more crystallized. The, the, the thing about life also is the fact that we don't all come into understanding at the same time. Right? So, so it, it would be great. If we all had understanding at the same time, but, but that's not how our minds work. That's not how God works with us. We all come into understanding uh, at, at, at different times. So someone may have their epiphany tomorrow and you may have already had that epiphany two years ago. But again, just, just acknowledging quickly here, and, and, and again, we'll, we'll try to, to say a, a bit more about this because it's also connected to Genesis chapter 3 and what Adam and Eve were going through there in the midst of the garden, especially as they eat, ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But again, just as, as a commercial break, and as we've already said, things don't go wrong until something breaks down in our flesh. We don't fall out for spiritual reasons. We fall out for carnal and fleshly reasons. Relationships don't end because of spiritual things, relationships end because of frivolous, sometimes ridiculous, carnal things. Now you said what you said, but the way I interpreted what you said without even having the facts behind what you meant by what you said. But without even asking the clarifying questions based upon what I heard you say and without me asking a clarifying question to ascertain what you really meant. I'm now hurt and our relationship is just about over. Not even a desire to act. No, I know what you meant. Even if you explain to me what you meant. I know what you meant. That's flesh. So, so, so we don't walk because of spiritual stuff. We walk because of fleshly stuff. Jesus as baby Jesus is under attack in this story. Because Herod is all in his flesh. It's not a spiritual dynamic that he is concerned about. He is caught up with pride. He he is caught up with power. He's caught up with a mindset of inferiority. And these are the things that are continually and persistently driving him out of his mind to the point to where he's willing to kill a baby. But just hold on to that. We don't fall out because of spiritual things. So then Jesus gives us the example of what it looks like to keep fighting despite the painful things that rise up in our flesh. Jesus had opportunity after opportunity after being mistreatment after mistreatment. He had every opportunity to say, God, I'm done. I'm I'm aborting this mission. These people are out of their mind. There's no way that I'm going to be a living sacrifice for them. They don't deserve it. I haven't done anything to them and all they are doing is persecuting me and prosecuting me. This was in his flesh. The feelings of Christ and his interpretation of what was being said about him. What was being done to him would be felt and interpreted through the flesh but Jesus always allowed the spirit to be the dictator and the ruler over the flesh that's Christianity 101 where we really talk about mature Christian living the spirit doesn't need what the flesh needs I'm aware now, however, look, and this is the season of Christmas. Let me take a drink. I hope I'm not going, going in reverse. But somebody's not going to get what they want. Tomorrow. Nobody here, but you will be a witness. It may be someone in your house. It may be someone that comes over. It may be someone that calls you. And they're not satisfied with what they received. Especially if what they received does not match what they gave. You mean? I went out. I spent this. I spent that. I stood in this line for oh so long. And this is all I get? That's in the flesh. The spirit does not care. Oh, Come on, come on, come on. The spirit does not care what's in that box. The spirit is concerned about spiritual stuff. And spiritual stuff is the stuff that's connected to eternal life. The spirit already knows whatever is in that box. Eventually, you aren't even going to care about it. All right. All right. All right. All right. So 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 here's the other thing. And I'm struggling with this. I don't know why it took me so long, but. To have. Successful relationships, even successful churches. Man just from a psychological perspective, you also have to appeal to the flesh of people. And if you only, I I don't know why I missed this, but if you only work with people based upon their spirit, you'll end up with an empty church. People connect to churches sometimes in ways that are camouflaged from a spirit perspective. But sometimes the more driving force is what they are receiving carnally. So we shop for churches. They got TVs. What's, what's, what's the praise and worship like? How long does the preacher preach how, how long How long is service uh, wh- where is it located what I hate this What side of the tracks is it on how how How, how do they talk about jesus Remember, oh my goodness, oh my goodness ah, Do do they preach the vanilla version of Jesus? Or, or, Or do they preach the justice Jesus that's actually in the text? But again, most of the concerns that we have, even around church, is based upon something that has to appeal to our flesh. I'm not saying that that's a negative thing. But it does highlight how carnal we are. A thriving church can be considered the church that has programs that appeals to the flesh, and I'm not saying that that's not supposed to happen. Yes, it. it that's why we go skating, fellowship night. We go on bowling. Ah, oh, come on. All right, all right. Because without that, for some people. Just operating in the spirit is not enough. We don't articulate that. But at the end of the day, this is what's happening. I also, along with with all the spiritual stuff, I also need something to tickle my flesh. So Jesus gives us the example. From birth all the way to the cross... Of what it means to live a spiritual life. And to not give up despite what's happening in the flesh. Again he said, I have meat to eat you know not of. They're like, Jesus you need to eat something. He's like, you don't even understand what I live on. I I, I know I need food. But he's saying, but what drives me is the word of my father. What drives me is the spirit of my father. What drives me is the fact that my father has given me a mission. My father has given me a purpose, and that's what I'm living on. And now food becomes a secondary dynamic just so that my body can maintain its strength, but my real fuel is from my father on high. But when we are left, when we are left to just our spirit... And and do you know if, if God cultivate a moment in time for you where all you have to live on is the spirit. He's in the process of moving you closer to him. Because this is where we really learn what it means to be intimate with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, every now and then God will set up a situation to where no one can rescue you. To where no one can tickle your flesh. So that you will know assuredly that the only one responding to your dilemma is the great God of heaven. And that becomes a spiritual experience absent all of the fleshly the fleshless stuff. But, 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 but I guess my moral of the story is I'm trying to learn how to also appeal to the flesh. And it's unfortunate that we need that. But it's a reality of our human nature. Spirituality isn't always enough to keep us engaged the birth of christ unleashed a campaign of hate anger and deception is still on display matthew 2s let's start at verse 7 there's a whole lot i have skipped already but in this story the magi in the text, sometimes referred to as wise men, these three magi, these three quote-unquote wise men in the text, somehow they are made aware that Jesus Emmanuel is to be born. I, I, I don't fully know how they get this information aside from angels but they are coming from the east and they see a star and they are informed to follow this star and this star will lead them to the Messiah this this star will lead them to baby jesus it doesn't tell us exactly where the magi from whence they came it just says they came from the east some people have said that they, they came from as far as china we really don't know and and once we get outside of of, of matthew chapter 2 and, and other dynamics in luke the magi just fall out of the biblical text we don't, we don't, we don't continue with them with a thread or a continuous thread of information. But, but they follow the star. Follow the star. The star leads them to baby Jesus. But, but as they make their way into Bethlehem and they get these, these messages, they, 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 they are told, go follow the star, go find Baby Jesus, you'll be led there. Herod gets word of all of this. Herod gets word that that baby Jesus, the king of Israel, the the, the, the Messiah is about to be born. Now, some research will tell you that at this point in, in, in the Herod's life, he was also out of his mind. That that he was experiencing um, some some mental health challenges. And when this information around the Messiah came forward, this just totally broke him down. So he says to these, he says to the Magi, well, look, you, you go find Jesus. And then I need you to come back. Tell me where he is. He says, so that I can worship him also. Now, now now the Magi they want to find baby Jesus and, and they, they come bearing gifts. Jesus is the gift, but they also come bearing gifts and they come to worship baby Jesus. Because they understand the significance of this situation. And so they have their frankincense. They have their aloe. They have their myrrh. These were things that were absolutely expensive. And they're about to give them to baby Jesus. Herod wants them to tell him when they find baby Jesus, tell me where he is. Because Herod wants to kill him. Now I'm jumping ahead. We'll read it momentarily and then close out. But, but, but Herod wants to kill baby Jesus. And when he finally realizes that he has been duped. And that someone has tipped off the magi. Someone has tipped off the wise men to telling them, now that you have met baby Jesus, now that you have worshipped him, now that you have given him the frankincense and the myrrh and all of these other spices, uh, don't go back to Herod. Go back to the place in which you came. Don't, don't, Don't go back and give Herod any information. And when Herod found out that he had been duped, Think back to Moses, because I don't, I don't even have time to go into the, the, the Egypt or the, the, the cometic connection. Moses is, is in Egypt, has to escape. From Egypt, also has to find refuge. Finds refuge in Egypt. When we look at the when we look at the patriarchs, when we when we look at the, the 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 men that make up the nation of Israel, when we look at Joseph, when we look at all of these different men, they found safety. Abraham found safety in Egypt. Moses found safety in 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 Egypt. So Egypt becomes a pivotal story. So this story of the nativity this is an African story. You won't get African imagery. See, see, all right. Your flesh didn't get tickled. Right? This, this is what happens in the church even when we have real conversations. It's not that you were spiritually disturbed. You were fleshly. Not you. People. Get fleshly disturbed. But again, so, so when he finds out that Jesus, they found him and they did not tip him off, just like in the days of Moses, he puts out, Herod puts out a decree. Kill all of the male babies two years and under. That's how out of his mind he was. Now how come we don't have that story in the season's greeting? I'm just going to read and we're going to close. Verse 7. Then Herod, then Herod, summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Lies. No no, no desire to come and worship. A desire to find him and kill him. I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had, that, that they had seen when it rose uh, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Uh, w- when they saw the star, they rejoiced. Joy to the world. When they saw the star, they rejoiced. They praised. They were thankful exceedingly. With great joy, joy to the world. The anticipation of the Christ. We might, well we are, we are in this season if we want to just be all the way real. And I know everyone's experience is is, is different per se. And we'll say a little bit about this in the closing. But this is also a season of anticipation. Exceeding with great joy and going into the house. They saw the child with Mary his mother. They fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense. I put on some frankincense this morning, so you get too close to me, you're going to smell some frankincense. Yeah, we in that season. I got on frankincense. Naja gave it, I think Naja gave it to me last year. And as soon as she gave it to me, about two weeks later, do you want that? <laughs> yes, I do. I want all of it. It's like I, I, I could take it back. No. It's my frankincense, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way the birth of Jesus is still causing problems (laughs) because he lives it's still causing problems for some people it's an absolute joy for others it's an absolute irritant and a stumbling stone you still have people that don't even want to acknowledge the realness of Jesus as someone that existed earthly you want a real debate talk about the, the, the magnificence of Jesus I think Carlos used to say this, I think it was Biblos who used to say, you know, people can get on TV and they'll talk about, oh, how much they love God, but the the wheels don't fall off, the paint doesn't fall off the walls until they say, oh, how I love Jesus. See, even God can become a commercialized label, but once you get emphatic and once you get specific and you bring Jesus into the equation, the son of God into the equation, well, now you might have a fight on your hands. Verse 13, now now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, I don't know, I know not everyone here has perhaps had a baby or been in this kind of situation, but being forced to go on the run at the time of birth, you, you, you just gave birth to your baby boy. And, now, and we don't know exactly what, how old he was at this time, but we know uh, he, he was still an infant. And now you need to be on the run? And this, this, is, this is bonding time. This, this, this is when baby Jesus is, is, is beginning to learn how to breastfeed. This, this is a delicate time. This is a sensitive time. And now they are made aware that they need to leave. And they need to leave tonight. You need to leave Bethlehem. You need to leave where you are right now and make your way to Egypt. If I'm not mistaken... This is about a 200-mile journey from where they were to Egypt. Oh, this was not just, let me go walk across Lowell Park. This was a journey. They they, they went through Gaza, came back through Bethlehem, and started making their way into Egypt. But this was a rough travel. This was rugged and rough terrain, and here they are running for their lives, Because Herod is after them. Now when they they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother. Flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him or to kill him. At birth, Herod is trying to kill baby Jesus. Jesus. That story doesn't come up at work. That, story, that part of the story doesn't come up at school. That, 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 that part of the story, uh, uh, all of these people that are politically correct have all, all of these different conversations about pro-life and all of this other stuff. What? Why don't you talk about how Jesus, they were trying to kill him. They're trying to kill baby Jesus. Because of who he was and remain there until I tell you, for, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt. I called my son. Last verse. Last two verses. Last last verse. Then Herod, you need a a Christmas Grinch? Herod is your Grinch. He's your Christmas Grinch. He's, He's trying to spoil the whole Christmas mood, the whole Christmas vibe. Jesus is coming. Jesus is the gift. People are bringing Jesus gifts. And here Herod is trying to kill all of that. Then Herod, verse 16, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, by the Magi, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. We already said it, but the main moral of the story is the life of Jesus brings us joy. Joy to the world. The anticipation of Jesus brings us joy. Joy to the world. Joy to the kingdom. Joy to the Christian. But it also brings trial. It also brings tribulation. It also brings some trauma. As well as some drama. But are we willing to remain in the Christian and kingdom fight Not just during the times when it's full of joy, because joy is a process, a theological mindset and a theological disposition and even a theological emotion that is connected to this fancy word of eschatology. The only reason why a true child of God can have joy is because we are eagerly anticipating the return of the messiah. You and I don't have joy if we are not eagerly anticipating the return of the Messiah. If the return of the Messiah brings me trepidation, if the return of the Messiah brings me anxiety, I cannot have spiritual joy on this side of life because joy is connected to the fact that even though everything else in my life might be breaking down, I'm still on good terms with Jesus. And if Jesus Christ decides to come back right now, I'm happy, I'm thankful, it will be a benefit I'm ready to go be with my daddy in the heavenly realm. But if there is stress about that idea, a child of God has no theological or spiritual joy. Now, as, as we close, I know everybody's, hmm, everybody's upbringing was different. So there's, There's so much that just can't be assumed during this season. I've been working in public education for at least 25 years. And I know that this time of year does not bring joy to all the children. Some of the children can't wait for this two-week break to be over, and it just started. Because it's at school where they find normalcy. It's, it's at school when they escape the drama of the home. It's at school with, where they know sometimes that their meals are certain. It's, it's that school where they know they have a certain kind of fellowship and a certain kind of connection, unfortunately, that may not exist at home. So I know as well that during this time, it brings up a certain level of stress. However, I remember growing up as a boy, as a child in my mother and father's home, I remember the anticipation of Christmas Day. when there's all of these gifts. And see, my mother and father, they, they mixed it up. But it never took away from the anticipation. Side story, but I've said it before. As a kid, I could not stand when Christmas was on a Sunday. That's as a child. I'm like, no, wait. Well, when are we going to open gifts? Do we got to go to church first? Or do we got to wake up super early and then, and then go? I couldn't, I couldn't. However, sometimes we would just go to Toys R Us. My mother would take my sister one direction. I would go with my father another direction and say, okay, Amar, you have this much money. Duffy, you have this much money. Get what you're going to get. So we in there playing Santa Claus for ourselves. Bring the gifts home. And then on Christmas morning, when we wake up, they would all be displayed. We didn't wrap. I don't remember really unwrapping presents in my home. If we didn't go to Toys R Us as a team, there would be other times, Biblos, where I would wake up on Christmas morning and all of the stuff is just displayed. There's a bike. I'm going to throw an old school one on you. There's a Willie Talk over there. There's a Aquaman over there. There's a Baby Alive. Oh, y'all, y'all ain't, y'all ain't y'all too young, too maybe alive over there, so all of the stuff. But the anticipation. My mother had to create little games for me to help me with the countdown because my head would almost explode that Christmas was almost here. So I don't know if your mama, your grandmother, your caregiver ever did, but she would create these little paper links. And for the two weeks before Christmas... Each day I could break one of the links. This is a psychological holdover. Ammar, you're getting closer. <laughs> you're not there yet, but here's a way that you could kind of temper some of that emotion that you have. Because I know you're so excited. Mom, can I, it's, it's the next, can I break it up? The anticipation of what that day would bring joy to the world the anticipation of the Christ I know too as I hit around 15 that was over nah bruh you getting too big and you are not even in your right frame of mind So Christmas didn't didn't maintain that anticipation. I'm talking about the childlike anticipation for Christmas. Because we are children of the Most High God. So if I think about the anticipation that I had as a child for the day of Christmas to open all of these gifts and engage in all of these different festivities, what is my anticipation for the Lord today? Because it should be so much greater. Than what it means to open up early on Christmas morning. To open up some gifts. Jesus is the gift. The magi brought him gifts. He was the gift. They brought him gifts. Jesus is our gift. We walk around with the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is our gift. The least we could do is be a blessing back to Jesus. And come and be a gift to him. Stand to your feet. But there should be anticipation. There should be anticipation around what it means to be a recipient of the gift of Jesus. And what it means to be someone in the kingdom that shows up as a gift. There might be someone here right now. And I know. Culture in the U.S. sometimes church service. not No one here, of course, church service is, is viewed as a, as a time served phenomenon. Let me just hurry up and, 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 and do my time and then I will be on my time. But I got to go punch the clock for church service and then I'm free. Wow. There might be someone here and Jesus wants to be a gift to you. He already gave his life, but now he wants you to give your life to him. But Jesus is not going to force us he will not force us to give our life to him we have to come to him by faith as well as repentance but there i can think of no better gift than salvation and i wish i was making that up or kind of pulling your leg but there's no greater there's no deeper transfigurative gift than salvation There might be someone here today that needs that gift. How do you do it? You give me your hand, but give God your heart. You hear the word, you believe that word, you repent of all of your past sinful ways, confess the sweetest name on mortal tongue, and be baptized in water for the remission of your sins. Coming up a new creation in Christ Jesus. If you're here and you are a member of the body of Christ, but you've lost some of your anticipation, you've, You've lost some of your excitement for Jesus and his word. You can get that right today. You can ask God to work with you in that area. If you sin, you can get prayers today. Let us not lose our anticipation for the Lord because he brings us joy. Joy to the world. And that's why we're in this configuration right now because of the joy that God has placed in our lives.